Hello and welcome to Mariner's Church. We're so glad that you've joined us, that you're here with us today. If this is your first experience with us, I just invite you to take some time and get to know us, and we hope that you'll feel at home real quickly and really sense the love of God here in this place. And when you're ready, would you please contact us, connect with us through texting uh, the word welcome to the number that's on the screen, or filling out a communication card and sending that in. We really would love to get to know you. So, hey, Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And later, the Apostle Paul wrote, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Today we're going to take some time in our worship to remember a couple of things. First, and most important, Christ died for us, bringing to us freedom and forgiveness from the consequences of our sin, but also that he loves us and he considers us his friends. What incredible truths. Jesus motivated by love and the desire to have a forever friendship with us, went to the cross and died for us. Now, I know there's a lot of mystery and wonder as to why the cross and death were necessary, and there are a lot of reasons we could take time to explain. But for today, for right now, I just invite you to reflect and respond to the love of God for a few moments in worship. The team is going to lead us in some songs, and we will take communion together. And if you need to pause this video right now, go and get something to represent the juice and the crackers so that you can participate in this special time of remembrance. We are mariners. We are a gathering of people seeking and transformed by God to live differently, and together reach others so that they would also experience the same love of Jesus. But what makes us, us? Do you recall growing up and trying to convince your parent to let you do something that you wanted to do? You'd say, well, so-and-so's mom let them do it. And of course, your parent would say something like, well, they're not your mom. In our family, we don't do that. You see, families, well, they're different. Every family has a lot of things that are the same, of course, but also things that are different. And some of those things are stated clearly and some are unspoken, but you definitely know it. And these distinctives are what make you and your family unique. Well, churches are also families, and they have things that make them unique as well. And of course, there are a lot of things that are, same, are the same from church to church. But if you visited other churches throughout your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Every church has its own personality, a set of values and behaviors that set them apart. What makes Mariners unique? What are our core values here? 
A few years back, we put together a team of volunteers who interviewed hundreds of people here at Mariner's Church, and they put together, in the course of their study, they put together an array of post-it notes, walls covered in post-it notes. And on each one was a word that, that people felt that the church embodied values that we had. And from that, themes began to pop up of how people viewed their church, our church. And a word that came up a lot was authentic and real. Our people tend to be authentic here. Our teaching of who God is and how we experience him reveals a realness. And then our mission to this community, it's genuine and authentic. As we begin to pivot to this post-pandemic life, as, as we try to figure out why belonging to a church family is vital to include, again, back into our, our lives, we want to take some time in this message series to remind ourselves of who Mariners is, who we are as a family. Well, first, we're real people. And, and what does that mean? Well, it means because we are found righteous in Christ, we are free to be open about our faults and mistakes so that we can give hope to others that God can love them in spite of their faults and mistakes. Now, that's really a packed statement, and I suspect it, it might scare some people off. Because, you know, we humans, we've invested a lot of energy in our lives to prop ourselves up, to develop this persona, and to project an image of having it all together. And the opposite of real is what? It's phony or fake. And we're phony or fake because we hide. We tend to hide because, see, hiding who we really are is kind of normal for us as people. We hide our weaknesses. We hide our problems. And it started way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve. And the Bible says, at that moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. They covered themselves from each other. They covered themselves from God. And humans, well, we've become pretty good at hiding. I don't want people to know the real me, right? We don't let others into our lives because we kind of have this thought that you see, if they see the real me, they may not like the real me. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of God's intention for us and his greatness when we compare ourselves to him. And then it goes on to say, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, to come out of hiding, we need to recognize that we're all broken, and we are all sinners. And if you really knew me, you'd know that I've sinned, and I fall short of God's glory, his perfection. And if I really knew you, 
I know that you have sinned, and you also fall short of the glory of God. But even more so, to see that our sin and brokenness didn't keep God from loving us. He didn't wait for us to figure it all out, how to get our stuff together. He sent his son to die for us while we were at our worst. One of the best verses in the Bible says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we, you and I, are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. So how do we come out of hiding and become more authentic? Well, first, know yourself and God's grace to you. And second, accept others like Jesus accepts you. The Bible says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. And that leads us to the next. We have a real God. And what do I mean when I say real God? Well, it means God is real to us. And we are experiencing God as he is personally involved in each one of our lives, changing us and giving us peace and strength and purpose. Last week in my life group, as we discussed the message about our five purposes uh, that Paul spoke about last week, I said something that another person in our group really resonated with, and I'd like to share it with you. So many people try to make God in their image instead of letting him tell us who he is. You see, I've had so many conversations with people who kind of pick and choose attributes of who they think God is. They focus on his love or describe him as angry. They project definitions and motives. If God really loved, then this, this would not happen. The Bible, while including a lot of stories of people and nations, is really mostly a story about God revealing himself to us, mankind. And the number one question we should ask whenever reading any part of the Bible is to ask this, what does this tell me about who God is? Because you see, he wants us to know him. He is revealing himself to us. So let's take time to see him as he presents himself. The Bible says anyone who comes to him, God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I I suspect most of us, we've been to some sort of sporting event, right? And when you get there, you get some food, and you sit down, and you watch, and you scream and holler, and get excited, and get all caught up in that game, right? And you feel the emotion when your team misses the ball or misses a tackle, and you experience the game. Well, kind of. We don't really experience it as much as those who are actually, actually what? On the playing field. We're really just watching. And you and I know that there's something about God. And a place like this gives us an opportunity to, to sit and watch or to actually get in the game, to play the game. And at some point, when we move from seeking to following, 
Our purpose is to get to know God for who he is and not what we want him to be. To immerse ourselves in who he says he is. You see, he's not just a good thing that we add to our life to make it better. He is a real and powerful God who calls us to yield our lives to his leading. He calls us to pursue him with a passion that he uses to pursue us. Everything else, Paul writes, is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Wow, that's getting in the game, not observing from the stands. Next, we have a real calling. And that means that we know why God has placed us here, and we freely and purposefully live it out. I think sometimes we get really hung up on this whole thing. We ask this this big question, what is God's will for my life? And we ask it like it's some huge mystery that has to be some massive world-changing moment. And that is kind of unknowable. Like we're always seeking it because we can't really get there. But it's not unknowable. And it isn't a mystery. And for virtually all of us, it isn't a big part the Red Sea sort of moment or event. It's simply living our lives in the normal every day, loving God and loving others. Now, of course, God has some instructions on what that love looks like and how it's expressed, but it really is that simple to love God and to love others. The Bible says God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, and the old life is gone. A new life has begun. I can begin again. A new start means new ways of doing things. And so it goes on, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, reconciled means to put together. Christ put man and God back together in relationship. And he gave who this ministry? Us, me and you. Not just the full-time pastors, but all of us. Verse 19, he says it again, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have this ministry, and we have this message. Now you may ask, well, who am I to do this, right? We really excuse ourselves away from a lot of things, don't we? Uh, who am I to do that? I'm not like the pastor. Well, guess what? The Bible says we have this treasure in common jars of clay. And you may say, well, I'm like this clay, fragile jar. I'm nobody. My life, my life is a mess. And you know what the Bible says? Yep, you're right. But in your jar is the message of life. And God pulled all this together to bring you here to this coast uh, and for you to be here in this place at this time. And so what's your purpose in life? Well, it's to represent Jesus and share him to your world. And the God who put stars in all the exact places that he did, well, guess what? He put you right where you're at to share Jesus. You're not on your street by accident. You didn't pick out that house. God placed you there to serve your neighbors. Your kid is not on that soccer team by accident. God placed them there so you could serve and love those fellow parents. You're not gifted in those sports or those hobbies by accident. God placed you there to connect with a group of like-minded people. God placed you and me in various places of our lives to show Christ to people that nobody else could. You're the only you that could share Christ to them. All of this, the Bible says, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Now, I want us to have that sense of calling, that real calling. It's not a mystery, is it? It's pretty plain, pretty clear what God has called all of us to do. That sense, I want us to have that sense of, I'm here for Jesus Christ and his purpose on my life. And, and that is to, to reconcile people to God. We're here for a purpose. And that purpose is huge. And the most important in the universe. And it's the purpose of our lives. It is. It is the calling on our lives. It is God's will for our life. So the Bible says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this ministry, we never give up. It goes on. That's why we never get up, though our, give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. You see, we don't exist as individuals or as a church for our own comfort or for our convenience. We exist on this coast to make as many Christ followers as possible and to build their lives so that they can make as many Christ followers as possible. We exist on this coast to make as many Christ followers as possible and to build their lives so that they can make as many Christ followers as possible. So when God asks you to give, it's not to make this place more comfortable. It's because the ministry of reconciliation is the most 
important purpose in the world. And when we invite you and ask you to find a place to serve, it's for the most important thing in the world. Okay, this is us. Real people, authentic, because we're saved by grace. We can be honest about who we are. We're not perfect. Real God. I want you to experience God living in you through Jesus. I I want this to be real, where God's presence is felt and lived out in your daily life. And a real calling. I want us to be fully committed in our purpose in life, to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are knowable. You have revealed yourself to us. And you have revealed to us who we actually are. That we can be authentic. That we can be um, honest about our imperfections and our failings and our brokenness. Because it really doesn't matter. You still love us. It's, it's who we are. While we were still sinners, you died for us. Thank you that you have revealed that you are a God who loves us, no matter where we come from and what we've done. Thank you that you are a real God that wants to be involved in a personal relationship in our lives day to day. And God, thank you that you've given us a purpose How sad it is to just kind of go through life aimless, purposeless, not knowing what your real meaning is. But God, you have called us to the highest purpose of reconciling people who don't know you to experience you and give their lives to you. God, I thank you that you use our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our availabilities. You use them to touch lives. And I pray, God, that you would help us to commit ourselves to being authentic, to having an authentic relationship with you, and to living out our faith authentically to others. In Jesus' name, amen.